Amen. Thank you, Greg. Uh, a couple things before we jump into God's Word. We have a website and app that communicate together that was part of our uh, just tools we use, consolidating those resources. And so it's the app is in its final stages. You can download it, Google Store or the App Store, for, um, by searching LCC Paso. It'll pop up our, our logo, download the app. It'll have all the media, sermons. We have a Bible in there with a, a reading plan and some Advent tools going through uh, scripture reading morning and evening that'll be uh, live next Sunday, but wanted to get that in your hands. You can click around and it's super. Uh, a couple of the, the older kind of uh, people in our church found out it before we even announced it. And like, this app's awesome. Did you know about it? And some of the elders were even like, we have an app? It's live? I didn't know that. So it's super intuitive. If it's not, then I think it might be a user error just saying, uh, talk to us. We could help you with it. But there's a lot of people that have said it's user-friendly. So um, get that on your phone, download it, click around. Uh, second thing, as we share the gospel and, and our, our prayers and our hope and desires to go as we know and grow, and an opportunity has come up, a couple of people in the church have said, we want to go and lead a good news club. So after school in Templeton, they're going to start a club at one of the elementary schools, and they need one to two more volunteers. So they're going to come up and share the beginning stages. And if you're feel led or equipped. Um, if you don't, we're still probably going to ask you to do it as we pray for you because that's usually how it goes, right? Saul is trying to kill Christians. Jesus is like, no, you're going to go make them. You got it backwards. Just let me get a hold of you and I'll equip you. So uh, I know you're like, great, Brandon, you're going to, but just be ready. Uh, as we dive into God's word, you're going to hear God's heart for those who have yet to be found. Uh, they're lost. And, and we're going to hear that today from Chris Blake, one of our elders who's going to be sharing. So if you have your Bibles, phone with you, if you already have the app, you could cruise over to Luke uh, 15, and I'll read there the first 10 verses. So Luke 15, verse 1, says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you... Having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost." Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 8, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me. For I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. morning. Glad to be here together with everyone today. Um, Just to be clear, I'm not the uh, lead pastor here at the church, the handsome and much more articulate gentleman who is just up here is, and, uh, but you are stuck with me uh, today. And if we've never had the chance to meet, my name is Chris Blake, 
and uh, my family and I call Life Community Church our home. Uh, we have, my wife was here at the 8.30 service. We have one kiddo who's homesick, so she came earlier so we can switch swap and, and keep an eye on him. But uh, my wife, Ashley, and uh, I got a daughter, Addie, who's 14, who's sitting right up here in the front. Um, she went from 1 to 14 overnight. I'm not sure if you've ever experienced that, but uh, I don't know how that happened. And then we got our 11, almost 12-year-old son, Brody, who is the one who's homesick today. And so that's our family. And uh, we've been here at the church, called the church home for probably almost 15 years now um, that we've been here at the church. And it's been a great place for us to, to grow and to be plugged in. I've gotten the opportunity over the years to serve in lots of different ways. Uh, I've got to teach Sunday school, uh, which is awesome. And actually right now, I don't know, but once a month, get the chance to really lead terrible, I'm a terrible musician, but they let me lead children's worship once a month. So if you ever want to come and hear terrible music and sing loud with us, uh, we will be over there uh, once a month in children's uh, ministry if you want to do that. Uh, I've gotten to teach some Bible studies, but uh, really right now, one of the basically I get to serve as one of the elders um, here at the church. And so looking forward to have the chance to open up God's word together uh, with you all this morning. Uh, while we're here. And we've been going through the book of Luke uh, since February together. And I don't know if you recall back, but it's been a long time since we cracked open the book of Luke and started to go after that together as a church. We took a little bit of a break in August and September and did some other things. And actually today, uh, after we tackle this part of Luke, we're going to hit the pause button. And as we get ready for Christmas and Advent and everything that's coming on there, then we're going to jump back in. So we'll finish it sometime between now and, I don't know, 2025, something like that. It's going to be great. It's awesome. We're going to work through it. Um, at least we're not in the book of Psalms, right? Because we wouldn't even be close to getting close to finishing. So, um, so we've been, in the last couple of weeks as we've been going through the book of Luke, it's, it's been kind of the, the daily and everyday life of Jesus. Uh, and so it's, it's been these, just these encounters, these conversations, these teachings. It's a lot of parables and it's kind of just been tracking Jesus, you know, kind of first, uh, you know, kind of first eye view here of, of him just kind of doing daily life as he's, uh, been going through and running into all types of different situations. And, and I feel like over the last couple of weeks, like last week, chapter 14 was like the most emblematic. It was kind of a great snapshot of kind of where we've been as a church for the last couple of weeks. And I'm sure you remember everything, uh, you know, Pastor Brandon said last week, but just in case, um, you know, 14 is kind of wild. It goes all over the place. You know, it starts in chapter 14 uh, and Jesus gets invited to somebody's house for dinner and a Pharisee invites him over. And there is no way on a normal dinner at a Pharisee's house that there is somebody there who's sick or has any types of ailment because there's so many rules governing being unclean and things like that. But just by chance, you know, Jesus gets invited for dinner and who's waiting for him at the front door but a guy with dropsy. And dropsy was a, a name for uh, taking on extra water like in your, your legs, your hands, so you'd be swelled up. And it completely was a setup for Jesus to see what he was going to do, right? Because otherwise there's no reason this guy is there. So, of course, Jesus heals him, sends him on his way, and then uh, goes right into talking about, you know, what happens when an ox falls in a well, because that's obviously what you talk about after you heal somebody with dropsy, um, as you do that. And then goes on to talking about uh, where to take your seat at the table and, and how we approach, you know, this humble position in the, in the kingdom of God as we do that. And then he just spins right around and he tells this parable of the great banquet, which sets this picture of how God looks at us as people and where he's looking in the highways and byways for people to be a part of his kingdom. And then it keeps going from there. It takes a whole nother turn. And it's like one of these things, I think we, um, if you've been around the church for a while or you've read a lot in the gospels, you read the words of Jesus sometimes and you're like, yeah, okay. Like, no, this is a section of scripture, the end of 14. Jesus says, you have to hate your family. 
Um, and if you lose your saltiness as a follower of me, like you're not fit for the manure pile. Like that's not real popular verbiage. Like if, if Pastor Brandon gets up here next week and he's like, hey, if you lose your saltiness as, as a follower of Jesus, like you're not fit for the manure pile. Like some of you might send some emails. Like I'm just saying, use the new app, right? You're like, message, Pastor Brandon. Um, terrible message. Um, so Jesus has these, like, and that, these words, and I love, you know, if, if you get a chance to continue to read through the Gospels over and over, I love the life and the teachings and the words of Jesus. Because when we, when we sit in them and we spend some time in them, I think we really discover that they, they're always the unexpected. Right? Jesus, over and over, they give him a very physical thing or he encounters something, which you think the response would be A or B, and his response is Y. And it's wild. And I love that about the life of Jesus. I love that about the teachings of Jesus. And he always paints the kingdom of God in an unexpected way. And today's no different as we jump in to Luke 15. And so um, I know you've already opened up that way, but if you would just pause with me for a second as we uh, dive into God's word with this morning and uh, we'll pray. And so Lord, we're grateful for the chance to get to gather as your people. We're grateful for the chance to get to open up your word this morning. God, the beautiful part is, is, as people who are following you and, and doing our best to pursue you, that every time we open up your word, it comes alive and it speaks to us in a way. And each one of us walked in here this morning uh, having a different morning, having a different week. We're all carrying different things as we arrive this morning to open up your word. And so, God, I just ask that uh, whatever words that you would have for us today would be spoken uh, to each of us as we sit, that as we read your word, that you would speak to us really clearly. And that as we walk out this morning, that we would leave having a clearer and more full picture of how you love us and how you care about us than when we walked in this morning. Amen. Amen. So as I prep for the time uh, this week, uh, you know, we're going to go through the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. The uh, prodigal son, the, the third part of that, is, it's so much, it's so layered, there's, there's so deep. We're going to leave that uh, to more qualified uh, individuals when we get there um, in 2025. And, um, but it's going to be great. So, uh, but as I was preparing for this week, you're reading about these lost things, lost sheep, lost coins. I couldn't help, obviously, the, the first thing I was like, yeah, when, when have I lost stuff, right? So first, right off the bat, when I was thinking through it, I'm like, I have lost my AirPods two weeks ago, and I can't blame my daughter because I don't think she has them. But uh, if you find a really dirty set of AirPods, those are mine, and I would appreciate it if you would just call me uh, because I really miss them, and I know uh, there's nobody's dirtier than mine, and that's oversharing, but I'd really like them back. So that was the first thing that popped into my head. Second thing that popped in my head is I lose things all the time when I'm asked to go get something from the fridge. Uh, my wife says, hey, can you go get milk? And I'm like, yeah, um, we don't have any. And she's like, Really? That's weird. Because when I looked a couple minutes ago, there was lots of milk. And the first I'm like, yeah, except for these six milks right at eye level, right in front of me, like, we don't have it. Like, we're out of milk. Um, I don't know if any of the other guys ever run into that. But for some reason, I lose things in the fridge at that moment when I go look uh, in the fridge. So that's uh, another time I lose things. Um, a couple weeks ago, we lost some pigs from our barn. Um, pigs are really good at getting out of fences, by the way. So our 80-year-old neighbor, Mary, um, was chasing the pigs around. So they didn't get too lost. So the pigs would come back to our house. Um, and so we lost, uh, we've lost pigs uh, and animals from our house. The other thing I thought of is when we moved a few years back, uh, we moved and uh, I, I don't think our cat cared. Uh, 
um, that we are moving. I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to your cat and inform it of an event coming up in your family, but cats don't, they don't really care. So we moved and the cat didn't come back like when we moved. And so I remember the, the, the new people were going to move into the house the, that day and I had to go to the house like at the crack of dawn and I found our cat and then I had to grab our cat and then a, the funnest thing you ever get to do, and funnest is a real word, um, you have to put a cat in a cat carrier and that's that's just a joy. And I don't know if you've ever had the chance to do that, but it's super fun because they love it. And, and they just freak out because they love it so much. But that was another time we lost something was the cat. Um, we've also found out that uh, I get lost often. And I know that that's not a very manly thing to admit. I have a horrible sense of direction. If we get lost in the wilderness, we will die. Uh, that is just it. Like when we drive places as a couple, my wife and I, Ash, it's like, you know, we'll be in like some big city and like, which way is the freeway? I'm like, it's that way. And she's like, it's that way. And I'm like, let's follow you. Dang it. Cause she is always right. And I'm always wrong. So I am like the one guy, I'm like, let's pull over and ask for directions. Cause I have no clue where I am like at all. So I get lost uh, often all the time. So that's another thing that I got lost. But the one thing that stood out to me when I was trying to remember things that uh, I've lost, it was pretty soon after we got married and uh, I was surfing with my brother-in-law and we were in Pismo Beach. I can still remember uh, that day. And we got out of the water. It was a nice time. I was surfing with my brother-in-law. You know, you get out, you rinse off your board in the waves. And I picked up my board. And as I started to walk, I was like, ooh, I didn't hear a click. And the click was, you know, my wedding ring that should have clicked on the surfboard when I picked it up. And, uh, and I, you know, then I went to feel and sure enough, it was gone. And I, we had just got married, actually, like a few months before that. So it was like brand new. And I know you're already judging me. You're like, what idiot wears their wedding ring surfing? And I know. I, I should have known that. But at the time, it seemed like a good decision. And I remember, you know, picking up my board and looking at the ocean. And I'm like, like yeah, it's, it's gone. Like, I don't know what to do. My wedding ring is gone. So I lost my wedding ring. This is a replacement. So it's not the real deal. So I know you were wondering about that when I got up here um, this morning. So... Um, but as I was thinking about all of these different times when I've lost something, and maybe as you've uh, been hearing me share, you've been thinking about the time that you've lost something or different times in your life when you've lost something. Uh, some phrases and words just kind of came up to me as I was thinking about these. And, and kind of the phrase that came up was like something out of place, unsettled, troubled, or incomplete. And this image of something being lost is what Jesus chooses to paint this picture today as he's trying to, to give us an image, try to, try to give us something so that we can understand this unrelenting and loving pursuit that he has for both you and me. And I love this day in Luke 15 because it's like so many um, in the life of Jesus. And, and as you read through the gospels over and over, they often start with, so a crowd was forming. So a group was following Jesus. So the people were with him. They were packed into the house, like over and over and over. You just find that there's, there's group of people following Jesus, which I'm not real smart, by the way. So all that tells me over and over as I read through the life of Jesus is that Jesus must have been remarkable to listen to, right? Like he, he would speak somewhere and the people would follow him around the lake or they'd follow him to the next house. When word got out in a town, the people would all gather up to go hear what he has to say. There must have been something different in his eyes. There must have been something different in his words. That people just had to hear it. They had to gather up. And this crowd today was, was a great crowd because it says uh, it was full of tax collectors and sinners. Well, that's a party. Um, 
I don't know if you know much about tax collectors at that time of year. I'm sure you do. Um, but tax collectors are basically people that lived in a given town. And, and obviously, uh, Rome was in control. There was kind of like a militarily controlled in there. And they had turned their back on their own people. And now they collect taxes on behalf of Rome. So they were not real popular at parties. They did not get invited to things. They were actually just, they were disowned. They were despised. They were the worst of the worst, right? They were working on behalf of the very entity and people that oppressed them. So they were not popular. So they're there. And then it says that there's also sinners in quotes. So I guess that was the rest of us because we're all a bunch of sinners. So we were all there. So that was great this day. And then also in the crowd, it says that there are some Pharisees and some scribes that are close by. And a lot of times as, as we do read through the gospels, that does seem to be a mix of people who are there because it seems like the tax collectors and the sinners were attracted to Jesus for the way that he was speaking to them, for the way that he was teaching them about that God was accessible. And the Pharisees, he was disrupting the, the religious structure at a time when the religious structure was, was very formal. It was very followed. And Jesus was disrupting that every day by the way that he was teaching. So, I, you know, there was the tax collection center and then the Pharisees there for different reasons. But it's moments like this when I, when I look at that and I see that there was this crowd of, of these different people that were there. It just reminds me that regardless of, of who we are and, and where we come from and maybe a different background, like Jesus is wildly attractive. So much, in fact, that there was people at polar opposites at the ends of this crowd here this day trying to hear what he has to say. And they're there, and as they, they're gathering up, you know, in this crowd, it, it says, you know, as Pastor Brandon read that, they, the Pharisees were grumbling because these, these tax collectors and sinners were there. And I read in the NIV translation, it says that they muttered. And I just thought that was a really great word, muttered. Um, I don't know if you say it a lot. I don't. And so I thought, well, that's awesome. Like of all the words the Bible translators had to, to use, uh, they chose muttered. So I'm going to say muttered as many times as I can, like the next minute and a half. So just stick with me. Um, so they muttered and they muttered. They were saying, you know, that this, that this guy, whoever this Jesus is, he eats and he welcomes sinners. Like that sentence is a message for another day. But like, if you just say that sentence to yourself slowly, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Like, I hope that does something in you. Like, that's the Jesus that we follow. He said it, it's for everybody, that the kingdom of God is for everybody. And he said, that's a whole other thing for another day, but that's just worth pausing on. But the God we follow welcomes and eats with sinners. And so hearing the muttering, going back to the muttering, uh, hearing the muttering that they were saying, Jesus doesn't even like get wait to be prompted for the question. He just all of a sudden breaks into a parable. And I, and I know a lot of you do that often, but, um, but he, he hears the muttering and he knows what he has to do. And he gives three different pictures uh, of indirect response to what they are saying about this welcoming sinners and eating with them. And he wants to give them a picture of different than maybe what they thought the kingdom of God was like. And so when they said that, you know, I would encourage you now, like, I mean, we read through the Bible a lot and we read through the life of Jesus a lot. And I don't know how often you pause and you go, I wonder what that looked like. Like, it's not real clear at this point. We don't really know where Jesus is. Doesn't really say he's at somebody's house. Doesn't say he's teaching in the synagogue. Doesn't say he's out in a courtyard just as there's a crowd of people around him. So 
I just encourage you to, to kind of paint the picture in your mind for a second. Like, you know, how many tax collectors and sinners were there? Was it a big crowd? Was it a small crowd? Were the Pharisees in the back with their arms folded? How are they dressed? Were they at somebody's home? Were they inside or the outside? But, but bring it to life in your mind as Jesus tells these parables. And he starts off with, you know, they're very agricultural uh, you know, area, culture, right, at this time, right? So he often, Jesus would use things in agriculture and things like that to convey. And all through scripture, we as people are uh, related to sheep. Like we're, we're, and that's not a compliment, by the way. Uh, if you're going through scripture, like, oh, it's really cool that Jesus calls us sheep. Like it's not meant to be a compliment. And I don't know if that's the first time you've heard that. But uh, sheep are not that bright. And I think often God <laughs> sets us up in this way that says, you guys just don't get it so much. So I'm gonna continue to, uh, give you this picture that you guys are sheep uh, in the kingdom and you need this shepherd constantly bringing you back over and over. So Jesus starts with this parable of the sheep. So after the muttering, um, he says this, he goes, now, you know, suppose one of you, so this crowd, tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees, have a hundred sheep and you lose one of them. Would you not leave the 99 and go into the open country and go after the lost sheep until you find it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he'll call his friends and his neighbors and they'll get together and says, you know, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And I got to imagine that he, he gets done with that first parable. And then he knows he's Jesus, right? It's helpful. I think he knows a lot of stuff about who's there. And uh, he says, okay, that was a word picture for some who are here with me today, but there's others and I'm gonna give them a different picture. And he says, so how about this? He goes, okay, or suppose this, suppose there's a woman who has 10 silver coins and each of those silver coins, they would have known this if, if they were there listening that day, they were worth about a day's wage. So it's pretty significant amount of money at this point and says, so what if she has these uh, 10 silver coins and she loses one of the coins? Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, Search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I love these parables. I love these pictures because they are simple. They match my intellect. They are a simple yet incredible image of God's pursuit of us in our life. And he goes on to tell a third one. Like I said, we're not going to tackle this morning. And I would, probably one of the most famous parables that Jesus ever taught and shared on the prodigal son. And I think it goes on to be one of the most famous because if you spend time in it and read it, I mean, it, it's like, it's so layered. There's so much. You can spin the lens around and look at it so many different ways from the, the view of the older brother, the view of the father. But if you look at it for just the initial pass, it, it brings you to your knees in tears thinking how well God waits and looks and expects us to come home. And so you got to finish that one on your own because today we get to talk about sheep. So it's great. So you get to go there. We're coming back to sheep. And so, uh, like I said, Jesus compares us, I think, to sheep often because I think it's applicable. Because I think, uh, especially as I was spending time in these parables, uh, how we have maybe gone through our life, 
and how maybe uh, even today, walking in here this morning, how we go and how we are going through our life. And so kind of two major reflection points, and, and maybe they'll resonate with you, uh, and maybe they won't, but the, the first one that I was left with as I was reading through these over and over, kind of just reading through these parables, kind of just seeing if anything would kind of jump out. You, you really, or I was, left with one, I thought, just very kind of definitive question or kind of thing to ask myself to reflect on these parables that Jesus taught, which was, you know, ha- have I ever been lost? Seemed like a pretty straightforward question. So I would, so as I was thinking about, I would, obviously we're not talking about geographically here, which happens to me often, um, but we're talking uh, spiritually, right? Jesus would often take very physical things, very normal things, and all of a sudden with a few words, spin them about our heart. And that's what we're talking about, you know, here this morning. So when I ask myself that question, you know, uh, have I ever been lost? And maybe ask the same, where, where in your life in the past have you been lost? And where was your heart lost? Um, where was a time where you felt spiritually lost? Or uh, just kind of lost in life? You know, maybe it's like a sheep. Like maybe you would never really intended to be distant from God or far from God, but you just wandered away and you didn't even really know. But then there was a time all of a sudden you turned around and you realized that you were further from God than you desired to be at that point. Um, or maybe it was another thing. Maybe you absolutely intended to walk away from God and do that in a very uh, intentional way. And so you, you walked and you left and you found yourself very distant from God. But then maybe at some point you paused. You know, and all of us, we look around and we realize, oh my gosh, I'm a lot further from God than I think I'd like to be um, at this point. And I'm alone and this hurts. And I'd kind of like to figure out uh, how I could get closer to God. And obviously in this parable, like there, there's good news, right? But then I started to think about, well, that was the past. Like, you know, okay, I can always reflect on that in, in the parts that I've been lost in my life. But I always feel like the scripture, every time you open it, also speaks to today. So then I thought, okay, well, yes, we can all be lost in our past. And those are easier maybe times to reflect on. But uh, then it, it kind of left me with a second question, which was, uh, am I lost today? Coming in this morning. Maybe overall, as a follower of Jesus, you'd be like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not lost. I'm, I'm good. And, and maybe that's true. And then, you know, kind of drilling down deeper, well, uh, are there parts of our life that are further from God right now than we would like, that have wandered off? like a sheep. Sometimes I don't think, I, I think a lot of times it's not intentional, but the intentionality of keeping those close to God, uh, we end up further away than we like to be. So there are areas right now in our life that as we think through that have gotten further away from God than we like. Like I said, the, there's good news in that because when we're far from God or there's parts of our life that are far from God, the, the parables that we read through this morning clearly say that God's in pursuit of us and he's in pursuit of those things. God loves us right where we are. And the good news is that he loves us right where we are, but he also loves us so much not to leave us the same. And that's really great news. Because if we're honest and, and we have the points of reflection, uh, we are never distant from God because he has wandered. 
right? God is always where he is. He is always set. The only times we find ourselves distant from God is because we have wandered. Because the sin that gets between us and God has created some distance. It has created areas of our life that we are not as close to God as we'd like to be. And so um, the good news and that is that he's going to come find us, right? And as we read through this morning, is that God cares and he hasn't lost us. That he's going to leave the 99. He's going to light a lamp, going to sweep the floor, come find us or find the parts of our life that need him, joyfully put us on his shoulders, then call friends and neighbors to celebrate. So if there are, for us who are here, if there's parts of our life that feel like they are further from God than we'd like them to be, the good news is that God loves us and he's going to find us right where we are. But he also loves us so much not to leave us the same. And so that was kind of the, the, the first reflection point for me. A couple of questions for my heart that I had to work through um, about where I have been lost and where I'm lost now. And then the second part kind of ties to that phrase of, of God not leaving us the same. Because I was reading through the parables, I'm like, it's, it's great, and I'm really glad, I think, that we have to get brought back. But, like, why do we really have to get brought back or, like, found as the coin? Like, can't we just kind of, like, as the sheep, like, exist on the peripheral a little bit? Like, can't we just kind of intentionally walk away for a little bit? Like, why this really intentional pursuit from God to pull us back into, like, complete you know, unity back in. And, you know, because sometimes being on the fringe sounds kind of nice or being a temporarily lost coin sounds kind of nice. Like, I don't really want to always be pursued all the time to be brought back in. And so the more I spent some time on that, I realized it's, yes, it's, it's beautiful that we get brought back in because uh, that's God's love and pursuit for us. But I think the why is the amazing part because it's, it's, we're brought back in because of what we were created for, right? We're, we're not just getting found to be found, but we're getting found because we were designed to be in relationship with God. We were built from the inside out, the very base, the very base of our being, we were designed to be in relationship with the God who made us. We were designed to be close enough to God so we know his voice and that his voice speaks over our life. We're valuable to him. We're designed to be so close like a shepherd that he's supposed to lead us. Because when we get found, these things start to happen. And in that finding, we start to become conformed to the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. Like that's the call in our life. And I hope that's welcome news as it is for me in my life that we are called to be conformed and be made into the very image of Jesus Christ. So the second part of that sentence of that God loves us, but he, he loves us so much not to leave us the same. Uh, I'll tell you what, some of you maybe have been following Jesus for a short time. Uh, maybe your first day here at church, welcome. We're glad you're here. Uh, or maybe some of you have been following Jesus for 150 years. I don't, I don't know how it works, but maybe you've been following Jesus a long time. I'll tell you what, the longer that I follow Jesus, the longer I become astutely aware of this conforming process in my life. Um, I think when I was younger and I was following Jesus, it was like, hey, I'm going to kind of, it's Jesus plus, it's like me plus a little plus one, Jesus, you know? Um, it was in addition to who I was. And the more I, I followed Jesus with my life, there's an abandonment of who you are. And that's not a 
that's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. And you get to get more of you gone. And that way we were created to have more of Jesus taking over more parts of our life happens. God's changing me from who I am as, as Chris, you know, to who he has and who he created me to be, which is so much more than just Chris. We are created in his likeness so we can be conformed to his likeness with our life. We get to take on the very image of Jesus with our life. So the things in us, uh, the words that we don't love about ourselves, and, and I'll let you choose your own words that you don't love, maybe some parts of you that still exist. I know I got uh, my words. Uh, get to be replaced with kingdom words, with words of Jesus. Words like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, forgiveness. So we get to replace the words in our life, and we get to replace them with those words. Those are the words as people who follow Jesus that get to mark our life. We get to be people of forgiveness. You know how powerful forgiveness is? I don't know about you, but we're all walking into to seasons of family and different things over the next little days. You know how powerful forgiveness is? Generosity, love, joy. Like these are the words that get to mark us as people who follow Jesus. And as I was thinking more about the parables in each parable, Jesus is really clear and he calls for this uh, point of celebration that when they're found, there's gonna be this celebration. And I think the celebration, it's great because something was found. But again, I think it, it's a two-part celebration. It's a celebration for what was found from where you were found from. But I think it's also a celebration for what we are found for, right? And that is worth celebrating. When something comes home and you can see what's ahead because the relationship is right, that, that's worthy of a celebration. We're not just found for finding sake. Jesus isn't, you know, just out collecting people uh, like to put on a wall, like a, like, a, you know, like a Hot Wheels collection on the wall with more cars. Uh, God is in pursuit of our hearts because we're valuable. Because he made each and every one of us and there's this desire that we be in right relationship with him so that we could be so close to Jesus we'll know his voice in our life and that as a result we get to be beautifully and radically transformed from the inside out. So in Luke 15, you know, three parables, but the journey is the same. And here's the journey that we get to take in Luke 15. The journey is we get to go from being lost, being far from Jesus, and being out of place, being unsettled, troubled, and incomplete, to being found, restored, redeemed, and to be in right relationship with the God who created us. It's a good journey. It's a good journey. So in a few minutes, uh, like we do every Sunday here, we're going to take communion together. And I would uh, encourage us all to just take the next few minutes to pause and to think and reflect on what, how do we walk in today? How do we arrive today as, as the church? Uh, are there parts in our life that feel further from God than we'd like them to be? Maybe we've wandered like a sheep in certain parts of our life and we want those to be brought 
back into right relationship with God. Maybe overall, we just feel distant uh, from him. And I would just say, take a minute, think on those, and then ask God to come find those parts of our life and our heart that those could be brought back close to his voice so that they could hear him.